Well, today we are going to build on a very important principle that we talked about last week. Last week we saw how important it is to choose your advisors well. Well, what if you could surround yourself with people that could offer more than good advice and conventional wisdom? What if we could have access to prophets? The Bible testifies to a God who speaks through people. And what if we had access to people like that? People who could hear from God and then pass that along to us. Well, for the last seven weeks, we've been exploring the section of Scripture that our Bibles refer to as First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. And there is so much content in those sections of the Bible, those different books, about prophets and prophecy. In this section, we find extended accounts of prophets like Samuel, Nathan, Elijah, and Elisha. We even get cameos from Isaiah and Jeremiah. Have any of you here ever heard of any of those prophets? You can find all of those prophets in this section of Scripture, all of them. As we have throughout the series, I want to invite you, read it all. Read, read this entire section. There is so much great content there. And if you do, one of the many valuable takeaways that you're going to find is this. I want to invite you to write this down in your notes. Prophecy often comes in the form of an invitation. You're going to especially find that in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Prophecy often comes in the form of an invitation to a better way. Our lives, they consist of a series of choices. And every choice we have has a different set of outcomes, right? If there's a God who's loving and just, if there's a God who can see in advance where each of those choices will take us, where each of those choices will lead us to, if there's a God who knows the consequences that our choices will have for better or for worse, wouldn't you want to hear what he has to say? Absolutely. Well, even as I answer that as absolutely, um, in theory, it's absolutely. But in practice, it's not always that easy, and here's why. When a true prophet brings a word from God, that prophet will also often bring a word that is hard to hear. Isn't that true? If it's really from God, often those things that God has to say, they are, they're hard to hear. Prophecy, it often comes in the form of an invitation. And that invitation is, trust God completely. Trust him completely. And again, that can be hard to do, especially when he says no to things that we think we want to say yes to. There's a popular myth. I've mentioned this before um, many times. There's a popular myth that the Old Testament presents a God of wrath and the New Testament presents a God of grace. How many of you know it's not that simple? In fact, before you form conclusions based on some of those things that you hear, I want to invite you, read it yourself. Read the whole Old Testament. Take a look. And if you read the full testimony, you're going to find the God of the Old Testament is a God who's good. He's a God who's kind. He's a God who's extremely patient with us. He's a God who provided warning after warning after warning after warning through his prophets, 
of what would happen if, if the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, if they stayed on that course. Here's what's going to happen. Warning after warning after warning. Well, here's one example of what I'm talking about, and then here's the context for that. As we discussed quite a few times in the series, there were 12 tribes of Israel, and they were once united, they became <clears throat> divided, resulting in a northern kingdom that was known as Israel, and a southern kingdom known as Judah. Well, right around 730 B.C., the Assyrian Empire invaded, and they absorbed that northern kingdom. And as the author of 2 Kings looks back on this tragedy, Here's what he says through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is from 2 Kings 17, 7 through 9. It says, and this occurred, all this stuff, this tragedy, this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And the people of Israel did things that were not, what does it say? They did things that were not right. All right, let's jump ahead, verses 13 through 15. The Lord warned Israel and Judah by, what does it say? Every prophet, every seer, saying, turn, turn from your evil ways. Keep my commandments, my statutes, in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers, and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen. They despised his statutes and his covenant. They went after false gods. And what does it say? They became, they went after false gods, they became false. And they followed the nations that were around them. So God sent prophets, lots of them. But the people didn't listen. I want to invite you to write this down too. Beware, false prophets are more plentiful and false prophecies are more palatable. False prophets are more plentiful and false prophecies are more palatable. Do people ever confuse what sounds right with what is right? Yes, all the time. And that's really easy to do when there's more false prophets and what they say is more palatable. Does everyone know what palatable means? Palatable, it tastes good. I, I looked up palatable too to see if there's multiple meetings and there's another one. It, it makes you feel more sophisticated. So it's a lot easier to swallow something that tastes good and it makes you feel more sophisticated. It makes you feel more sophisticated. So it's a lot easier sometimes when there's more of them and it feels better to listen to what they have to say. Well, one of the things we said throughout this series is that we can learn from mistakes of the past or we can repeat them. Well, let's look at an example where the false prophets were more plentiful and their false prophecy was more palatable. And then what we're going to do is we'll apply that to our lives. So if you have your Bible, let's open up. Now, there's actually two places where you can find this account. We can find it in 2 Kings 22, 1 through 40. We can also find it in 2 Chronicles 18, 1 through 27. We're going to look at the 2 Chronicle one um, because of the epilogue. And you'll see this um, as we get to that section later on. So let's do it. If you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to 2 Chronicles 18. Um, and uh, we'll start with verse 1. If you don't have a Bible at home, we would love for you to, to get one. You can just go to Bible.com, download their free Bible app. It's very, very good. Is that the one you're using right now? It's being used right now as we speak. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, ah, some context. Context. All right, context before we open, before we start reading. As I mentioned earlier, at this point in history, the northern kingdom was known as Israel, and they had a king of their own. The king at this time was Ahab, 
and he had a queen named Jezebel. These were not good role models for their citizens. Imagine if Jafar from Aladdin married that evil queen from Snow White. You took that, you'd turn the dial up to 11, that's what you got. It's Ahab and Jezebel. They are just not a great model couple. In contrast, in the south, we had a good king. They had a good king, Jehoshaphat. He did his best to follow in the example of his ancestor, King David. So what did he do? There were false gods. He tore them down. There were these places called the high places where people were worshiping in ways they should not have. He said that's not acceptable anymore. He even took some of his officials, his officials, and he sent them throughout the land to teach the word of God to the people. So he is living very differently than Ahab and Jezebel. So that was important context because look what it says in chapter 18, verse 1. Now, Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor. And look what he did. He made a marriage alliance with Ahab. Now, we, we saw last week, the week before, that's generally not a good thing. Often that is for political expediency rather than a good thing. The Bible says poor companions corrupt good character. Jehoshaphat aligned with Ahab, and that was not wise. One of my commentaries put it like this. A viper was introduced into the Judean nest. Is that vivid imagery right there or what? All right, let's continue. Verses 2 and 3. After some years... Jehoshaphat went down to Ahab in Samaria. Well, and that's the way they did their maps. It's north, but they call it going down. All right, so to Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and for all the people who were with them and induced him to go up against Ramath Gilead. Ahab, the king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me to Ramath Gilead? And he answered him, I am am as you are. My people are your people. We will be with you in the war. All right. Um, <laughs> you don't grow closer to God by conforming to the people around you and making alliances with them. This is a very, very, very deviate, very, very dangerous deviation from the path that the good king had been on. But at least... At least he remembers to say, hey, let's consult the Lord on this. This is actually one you don't even need to consult the Lord because it's just a clear no. But he, he says, let's do it. Okay, so this is uh, verses four now, four through seven. Four through seven. Let's pick up where we left off. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him. <laughs> and why does he hate him? Because he doesn't say what he wants to hear. That is an excellent, excellent paraphrase of that. Yeah, I hate it. He never prophesies good concerning me. It's because you're not good, king, but always evil. Joshua said, hey, let the king not say so. 
In the ancient world, many people had this belief about prophets. I found this a good summary in the IVP Bible background commentary. Throughout the ancient world, it was believed that prophets not only proclaim the message of the deity, but look at this. In the process, unleash the divine action. In other words, in that time and in that place. When people believe that if the prophet said it, there's no turning back. This is going to happen. In contrast to what we find in the scriptures so often, where the very purpose of the warning was to say, you can avert disaster. If you turn around now, you don't have to fall off the cliff. So it was a very different understanding um, from much of the ancient world. Well, King Ahab sends for Micaiah. And the two kings were waiting. And as they're waiting, I'm not making this up. You can read this for yourself. One of the 400 prophets, he was named Zedekiah. He got extra dramatic, dramatic, and he made some iron horns. And he went around going, okay, with these horns, you're going to defeat your enemy. And I'm picturing this, and I'm thinking that that dude from Monty Python with the that crazy prophet with the killer rabbit and the teeth. And so this is all going on. And all 399 of the other prophets agree with this guy. They're, they're all going along. They're all saying the same thing. And so when they send for Micaiah, they, 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 they didn't say, hey, tell us what you really think. They already tried to say, when you come to the king, tell him what everybody else is saying. So they set this all up. Here, you can, in verse 12, look at this. It says it right there. And the messenger who was, went to summon Micaiah said this, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. So let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Okay, that verse that I just showed you right there, that is why we're doing this message today. We have hundreds of verses that we could have choose, chose from for this series. And there's so much great content. That is why we are doing this one today. Because that pressure is still there. Hey, this is what all the cool kids are saying. Why don't you get on board? My brothers and sisters, that should not be so. We were called out to follow Christ. You know, at this time in that place, before they knew who Jesus was, they were called to follow the one true guy. When we lose that commitment to saying, I, regardless of where the rest of the world goes, that's where I'm going, we lose that, we lose everything. We lose our prophetic voice. We become a voting block that people think they can maneuver and manipulate. We become a people who's, who are easily divided. This is exactly why we're doing this. In our culture, there is so much pressure to conform. Can I get an amen? It's not unique to us, but it's certainly true of us. There's a satire app. It's called Babylon B. It makes false news stories. It's satire. It's like a Christian version of the onion, I am told. The, the headline that I'm going to put up here on the screens, this would have made me laugh if it wasn't so true. Here it is. Church bravely adopts all the positions popular in modern society. I have seen that so many times. We are taking this bold stand. No, you're not. You waited until it was safe. 
with your tribe. Whether your tribe is right or left, you waited till it was safe, then you jumped on the bandwagon. I see that all the time. There is such a strong pull to align, to make alliances with either the political left or political right or some tribe. I see it all the time. People side with them instead of scripture and they say, I'm taking a brave stand for Christ. It's getting harder and harder and harder to find churches. It's getting harder and harder to find individual Christians who are willing to speak prophetically, to do the best they can humbly to seek what God has to say and to stand on that. Mick. Ahiah courageously refused to enter into an alliance that would require him to conform in ways that his convictions wouldn't allow. Verse 13 says this, but Micaiah said, Micaiah said, I practiced that so many times, I'm just sorry, I'm trying my best. He said, as the Lord lives, what my God says, I will speak. Come on, isn't that beautiful? What he says, I will speak. The world needs more of people like that. Can I get an amen? Amen. The world needs more people who say, even if 400 people are all saying one thing, if as best I can discern that isn't right, I need to speak up. On my way down to Juarez last week, I was uh, finishing up this book. It is so good. It's called The Fearless Organization. It's by Amy Edmondson. I can't recommend it enough. It's about how do you create an organization where people feel safe to speak up and share their thoughts and share their ideas. And then how does that work so that it doesn't just result in chaos, right? But she gave example after example after example that are powerful. She gave examples of million-dollar mistakes that businesses made. She gave the examples of two space shuttle explosions. She gave a, an example of a nuclear disaster, all of which could have been prevented. Because somebody spoke up, but they got shot down. Or someone felt like, I can't speak my opinions. You know, the truth that they were going to bring appeared costly. But by not speaking up, the regrets were even higher down the road. The most important voices are often those voices who care enough to tell us something that we don't want to hear. Let me repeat that one more time. The most important voices are often the voices who care enough to tell us things that we don't want to hear. Micaiah speaks the truth. He says, here's what I see. And he tells the king, I see Sheep without a shepherd, he says. I see all Israel scattered. And what he, in other words, he's saying, King Ahab, if you stay on this course, what's going to happen is not only are you going to die, but it's going to affect the entire nation. This is what comes next, verses 17 through 22. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, hey, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing at his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who's going to entice Ahab, the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, one said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, by what means? The Spirit said, I'll go out 
And I will put a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Could we spend a month on that alone right there or not? There's clearly are things that are beyond our understanding. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall proceed. Go out and go. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. Well, before I close, I'm going to give you a very practical tool of how do we discern? How do we discern if this is a false prophet or not? But before we do that, I want to underscore one more time just how intense that pressure to conform can be and how important it is for us to recognize that When we did the series called The Blameless Project, I see one of the wristbands. That's awesome. We discovered we are constantly, subconsciously, we are constantly assessing what do other people think? Is this, you know, if I do this, if I do this, what do other people think? We are constantly, faster than the speed of thought, assessing that. The pressure is intense. And when we feel that others don't agree, especially those in our tribe, there is a profound pressure to conform. In Micaiah's case, Micaiah's case, the pressure is especially intense. He's standing before two kings. He's standing up to 400 respected voices that are speaking as one. He has the courage to speak the truth to the this even when he's mocked, even with the iron horn guy smacks him across the face. He he, he stays strong. And then when King Ahab says, quote, put Micaiah, Micaiah in prison until I return in peace, the guy whose name starts with M <laughs> says this, verse 27, and he said, if you return in peace, the Lord's not spoken by me. Mic drop. Here's what happened next. The two kings... Who do you think they went with? Whose advice? They took the palatable prophecy. Ahab, get this, he disguised himself as a regular soldier so that no one would know that he's king. And then you know what he does to his new ally? He says, I think you should dress up like the king. And Jehoshaphat does. So they go into battle, and sure enough, the king of Syria said, to all of his chair commanders, he says, target the king. Go at the king. Don't worry about anybody else. Throw everything we got at the king. So Syria's throwing everything they got at the king. The king sees this. He cries out, and it says God saves him. And then there's Ahab. How is Ahab dressed? Like regular soldier. So it says in the scripture that some random guy just shoots randomly, just kind of shoots into the crowd, and that random arrow from the random guy hits the king right in the only spot where he could really kill him, between two pieces of the armor. King Ahab dies. Ahab took matters into his own hands. He died. Here's how one of my sources put it. His true opponent, King Ahab's, wasn't Syria. Who was it? He's fighting against God, and he had the warning. In contrast, Jehoshaphat cried out to God, and God, who is full of grace and mercy, heard his cry. And this is so, so key. I'm so glad one of my commentators hit pause and said, don't forget this. For those of you who feel like, you know what? I've made mistake after mistake after mistake. You'll often hear this voice that says, hey, just keep going, because there's no way God's going to take you back. 
Is that voice from God? No. The voice is from the opposite. There is a God who welcomes us home, who doesn't want you falling off that cliff and is, is, is doing everything he can to welcome you back. A mess of our own making is a great time to send out an SOS. The good news of the gospel is you don't have to go down with that ship. I invite you to write this down. Remember, inquiring of the Lord and courageous integrity are predictive of the life you'll live and the legacy you'll leave. Inquiring of the Lord and courageous integrity predictive of the life you'll live, the legacy you'll leave. Jehoshaphat started out by trying to follow in the footsteps of his ancestor, King David. David's mistakes are many and well-documented, but he was quick to admit them. Quick to admit them. Scripture describes David as a man after God's own heart. Here are just some of the references I could find where David sought more than just good advice. Look at this. David inquires of the Lord. 1 Samuel 23, 1 through 6, 7 through 29. 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 31. 2 Samuel 2, 1 through 7. 2 Samuel 5, 17 through 25. 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 14. And those are just the ones I could find easily. I got good news for those of you who are trying to do this. Good news, the gift of prophecy is more accessible than ever before more than ever before. In Acts chapter two, we read about an event that forever changed the world. The Holy Spirit was poured out in an unprecedented way. We now have access to prophetic insight far beyond what the children of Israel could have ever dreamed of. We've got access through the inspired word of God that the Holy Spirit can illuminate our minds to better understand. And we've got these prophetic voices. So now we're gonna... As we bring this to a close, I want to bring you back to that part I said we'd come to, and that is how do you discern? How do you discern? If you got these people saying, hey, I believe the word has, Lord has a word for you, or you're starting to think maybe this is the voice of God, how do we discern that? It's, well, number one, first and foremost, his, God's word is never going to, God's will is never going to contradict his word. So that's one of the reasons we encourage you to be readers, because you're never going to get a message that contradicts what scripture in context says. But what about those times when Scripture doesn't speak directly to a choice before you? In First and Second Kings, we have multiple precedents of prophets being deceived. True prophets get deceived. So that can happen. We also have true prophecies coming from unexpected places. We've got an Egyptian king giving a prophecy to Josiah, who is one of the good kings. We even have examples like 2 Kings 4.27, where the great prophet Elijah says, I don't know what God has to say about this one. He's kept the answer hidden from me. So if true prophets can be wrong, if God can speak in unexpected ways, if our go-to sources for wisdom can sometimes be in a place they don't have an answer for us, how do we inquire of the Lord well? Several times in the past, I've recommended another book, this one, Pursuing God's Will Together. And what we've created is we've created an insert. It'll be in this Sunday's bulletin. Um, you can also, if you just reach out to Kelsey at Emmanuel.Church, she can send you a copy of that. And what we did is we summarized some of the key bullets from this resource. It's tremendous. It's extremely helpful, not only for individuals, but then what it's really designed is, instead of just trying to go alone, with friends, with families, as a small church, as a Bible study group, as a men's group, a women's group, it helps us say how together, what are some of these practices that we can do 
to try to discern, is this God's voice or some other voice? To seek that wisdom from God. And I would strongly caution you against having just one person who's your go-to prophet. Because we have all kinds of precedents where even the good ones can at times be wrong. So here's our invitation to you as we bring this teaching to a close. Let's pursue God's will together. He speaks. He still speaks. He desires to lead and guide us. And we have more access to his word and his spirit than ever before. In an age marked by so much confusion, so much compromise on the part of people who are meant to be set apart, Let's pursue God's will together. There was a day, this is where I get so fired up. There was a day when a powerful man named Naaman, he sought something from a prophet that he couldn't get from the kings. There was a day, 2 Kings 6, the royal courts, they said this to a king. They said, hey, king, that prophet knows what you speak in your bedroom because God reveals it to him. 2 Chronicles 28, there was a day that a prophet had the courage. The entire army of Israel is coming back from plundering Judah. One prophet stands in front of that army and says, what you did wasn't right. Give it back. Are you kidding me? Oh. As, in, as wonderful as it is, is to be able to get good advice about career path and these types of things, there's even more on the line than that. When today's world looks at most of today's churches and most of today's Christians, they don't see people who have access to that kind of otherworldly wisdom. Again, they see a people who are easily manipulated. What if we look different? What if? It's interesting to track what happened after Jehoshaphat cried out to God. It's really interesting. He, he didn't get every single thing right, but the guy changed. He went back to following in David's ways. He was wise enough to say, all right, I'm not just going to throw up the flare prayer once, and then it was, I'm going to try, I'm, I'm back. And I said that I chose Second Chronicles um, because of the epilogue. Look at this. After returning to God once again and experiencing the life that was associated with that choice, Here's some hard-won wisdom that he passed on to us. 2 Chronicles 20.20, have faith in the prophets. And what does it say? You'll be successful in the things that matter most. The one who can see where every next step will lead, he invites you to place your full trust in him today. So let's commit ourselves to that end. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that so much of your prophecy isn't just, hey, here's how it's going to be, but rather an invitation where our actions can lead to a better future. Thank you, God, for loving us enough and extending that kind of grace to us. Father, I pray right now that every person who's been tuning in and listening to your words, that every one of us would say yes to that invitation to receive you as our king, our good king, and to trust you with everything. This world needs people who will humbly seek and speak the truth of Jesus. 
May we be that voice. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.